Welcome back to the Minicom Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks minicamp is for Shih Tzus and Chihuahuas. That's Lenny, who's actually part Chihuahua, though he probably denies it. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined today by a first-time guest, longtime friend of the show, I would say, um, but first-time guest, which is very exciting, here for a very exciting and appropriate topic. It is Deontay Lee of The Athletic. Deontay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I feel I feel like I finally crossed the final Rubicon in my little group chat because all of my other football friends have all been on the show before. So now I, I think I've officially arrived. I don't know if Seth Galina is ever going to cross that Rubicon. <laughs> Big fan of Seth Galina, who used to host uh, Too High with Deontay Lee, which is a podcast I love. Deontay, you worked at PFF. You've been for the New York Times. Now you're a football writer for The Athletic. How is that going? Um, it was really odd. I was actually telling one of my editors that I feel like I have experienced two different extremes like coming on covering the draft i basically started on april one so like it was a complete sprint to the finish line through the live blog and all our coverage through the draft and then you get like the nfl calendar which just falls off a cliff basically a month (laughs) after the draft so you know i feel like i'm tooling my thumbs more times than not um but you know just trying to you know get a get a little bit more familiar with everybody who works within the company guys like ted win um robert mm-hmm. may is obviously somebody i have a really good relationship with and you know trying to figure out what exactly i'm going to do to carve out my voice here well i i think you do a fantastic job covering defense in particular um just go check out deontay's piece of the athletic get some really great pieces i during the draft about the different prospects uh schematic fits with the teams where they landed and that's why I wanted to have you on for this uh, episode, which is something I did last year with Dominic Foxworth, who, <laughs> gosh, I hope Dominic doesn't find out about this. Uh, the, the episode is one that we ran, I think, around the same time where we tried to predict the top 10 defenses in 2021. So you and I are going to try to predict the top 10 defenses this year. Um, but before that, I thought I would actually review our picks last year. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, so I listened to like the first 20 to 25 minutes of the oh, podcast no. and heard a couple teams that I kind of chuckled at, you know, in hindsight, but well, I'm looking forward to hearing what else I missed out on. It's actually really interesting because some like weird stuff happened with a lot of defenses, I, well, weird stuff, injuries for some of these right. teams. Um, so, okay. So last year, this was my list. Bucks. Okay. Okay. Was- Washington. Absolutely not. Oof. Well, we all thought they'd be okay or good. I mean, I'm looking. I mean, there was no reason to predict the fact that everybody on that team was going to forget how to rush the passer last year or play <laughs> or, or cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was such a weird. Oh, and obviously, Chase Young got hurt. Okay. Right. Rams, good. Broncos, fascinating case, I think. Um, yes. So ultimately, struggled a lot more than uh, we expected. Some of that was due to injuries, losing Bradley Chubb, obviously. Um, some injuries at times in the secondary. And right. I think what's no- notable about the Broncos, they didn't finish in the top 10 or even 13 in DVOA, but they were just outside looking in an EPA per play. So they were good at, you know, bend, don't break at times. They just weren't complete as I thought they would be. Right. Mm. Mm. Okay. Niners. Good. Yes. Steelers. Oh, yeah. That was the one I heard. And I was like, ouch. Mm. Lost some guys to yes. it, you know. I think Alawala was in and out, right? Um, yeah. So actually, how many games did Tyson Alawala play last year? I feel like it was not as many as we certainly not as many as we thought going into the season. Um, okay, here, yeah, two games right in twenty twenty one. Okay, the Colts 
Okay. That's yeah. I don't hate that. Didn't hate that. Saints, obviously good. Mm-hmm. Patriots, good. Mm-hmm. And then the Ravens again. I didn't expect the entire team would implode like one of the heads in the voice. Like I, I mean, I just <laughs> that's that one. I feel like you, you, I get a pass for. Yeah, that's a mulligan. That's definitely a mulligan. Um, so I guess I'll just read. So the top 10 teams in DVOA were the Cowboys, the Saints, the Bills, the Pats, the Niners, the Rams, the Colts, the Titans, the Cardinals, the Dolphins. Uh, so I, the, the thing I think we I'd really want to talk about, and then EPA per play is pretty similar, different order, um, mm-hmm. about the same teams, though, actually. So I think the one that we just kind of got to address really quickly is the Cowboys, right? I mean, right. I don't, I, did you see that coming? And like, what do you attribute their success last year to? I mean, the truth of the matter is a lot of it is just like turnover luck and third down performance. I think two things yeah. that I think we all kind of know year by year, are just like not very sustainable and are very, very volatile and opponent, you know, specific and, and things like that. So um, if you smooth out, I think some of the turnover luck that they had last year, um, you know, the fact that I do think that offenses will be a little bit more prepared for Micah Parsons to flex between being an off ball linebacker and an edge rusher, some of the attrition they have on the roster in general. I definitely don't think that they're going to be like second in DVOA again. And I would not be surprised if they fell out of the top 10 altogether because they did give up a lot of explosive plays last year. They did, yeah. And I think, well, I, I will say one more thing other than the turnover luck, because I think the pass rush was a lot more ferocious than any of us anticipated. Yes. Um, because I, we didn't see, like, Micah Parsons becoming one of the best <laughs> pass rushers. In the, I didn't. I, I mean, I knew he was, like, a good blitzer right. in college and stuff, but I didn't see him being Like an all-pro level head rusher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that obviously played a huge role in their success. I think they also had some kind of role players across the team uh make strides and they play better than I thought Anthony Brown comes to mind in the secondary mm-hmm. um you know safety position wasn't too bad and then like you mentioned they got a lot of turnovers so yeah very fascinating team I think the rest you know we can kind of I guess it's not as confusing but that one didn't see that coming at all was nowhere near my list uh right. and it sounds like they're not on your list this coming year do you want to hit that quickly um, yeah, I mean, I think it really just kind of comes down to me centering a lot of my argument just on like turnover luck. And, yeah. you know, obviously I, I've had a lot of conversation about like Trevon Diggs as a player. Right. And I think that he kind of became, you know, kind of like the poster boy, I think, for that conversation about turnover luck, not only talking about positional value, but just how you judge a defense in general. Um, but even if you take it away from him, you know, and you just kind of look at some of the things that happen with them statistically, you know, in terms of how they defended the run, the explosive plays that they gave up, a lot of it was really just like flashpoint, you know, type of statistical dominance that I just don't think carries over year by year. Um, and for that reason, like when I'm looking at things and trying to see what's sustainable from one year to the next, a lot of the things that made Dallas so great defensively just don't carry over from one season to the next. And, you know, I think that they were also pretty relatively healthy outside of like Demarcus Lawrence defensively. So, yeah. you know, if any one of those things goes left, you know, it's all always those little those little things that, that end up taking a team from being second to maybe 13th, which doesn't mean you're bad defensively. It's just not going to be as explosive for them this year, I think, than what it was last season. Do you think with the loss of Randy Gregory to um, Denver, they're just going to lean all the way in on using Micah as a rusher? I'd have to think that that's the plan, you know, especially considering some of the ways that they were talking about Randy Gregory and the money that they say that they offered. Obviously, you know, all this stuff is kind of conjecture after the fact, but I'd have to think their comfort with letting him take 
a contract to go play in Denver, I think has a lot to do with the fact that they trust that Micah Parsons can really still be a dominant edge rusher and that they think they can get something out of the rest of their linebacker core when he is playing on the edge. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't love any of their linebackers, but clearly Dan Quinn sees something in the rest of that linebacker core that that leaves him to believe Mm -hmm. that he can move Micah Parsons around and it's not going to kill them defensively. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's just jump into the list now. The way we're going to do this is you're going to give me your top 10 Starting with one, I will respond and I tell you where I have these teams. Uh, our lists are not identical, I think. So at some point, I will jump in with teams that I have on my list that are not on your list. But Deontay, mm-hmm. please give us the number one defense in 2022. Number one defense for me in 2022 is also, wow, I can't believe I'm laying this out in June. But they're also my pick to win a Super Bowl <laughs> this year, and it's uh, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, yes. Okay, so Bills are number one for me as well. Um, so just to kind of recap how this defense has changed, um, actually a lot of turnover on the defensive line, right? Losing mm-hmm. Harrison Phillips, who was um, pretty solid uh, yeah. against the run. Vernon Butler, they add Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones. I don't know how I feel about that. I do want to talk about that with you. Ed Oliver, it's still there, of course. And then on the edge, they lost Jerry Hughes. They signed Von Miller to a big contract. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're counting on your young guys, Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham to right. step up. Linebacker group, largely the same. Lost AJ Klein. Cornerback, you lose Levi Wallace. You draft Kyrie Elam, and then you get a healthy year out of Tredavious White. And then, of course, they've got the best, I think, safety duo in the NFL in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just simple. It was looking at the names. And one of the things I thought about, and obviously 2015 is a long, long time ago. But when I was looking at Von Miller and the rest of this roster, I was like, he has to be looking around feeling like, he hasn't rushed the passer with the supporting cast like this since that year. And that's not to say that he's going to be 2015 Vaughn, but I think adding a star level pass rusher, which is, I think, what he showed in that playoff run, you know, with the Rams. I, I think that if you can get anything like that out of him with the rest of the supporting cast, you are looking at probably the most well-balanced, um, you know, defensive roster, I think, in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, Von Miller was so good last. Hey, you know, he wasn't just he was incredible down the stretch. And I've said, yes. like, I don't think the Rams win without him, but he was really good in Denver too, which again, by the yes. way, makes the whole Denver thing complicated. Just to compare him to Jerry Hughes, you know who I love. Jerry Hughes has been incredible for this team over the years, but I think he's a player on the you know decline of his career. Mm-hmm. Finished with 55 pressures, uh, four sacks, five QB hits, Von Miller, 82 pressures, 13 sacks, 10 quarterback hits. Ridiculous. You know, I, I think if they hadn't signed him, Deontay, I would be, as much as I love this secondary, it's the best zone coverage group in the league. I mentioned the safeties, right. getting white back, obviously. I don't think I would have had them number one if they had not signed Von Miller because this is, outside of him, a very young pass rushing group. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that – and if I, I think I probably would have still had them around like top three, top four-ish, and yes. it just would have been that the margins between them and some of the other teams I consider at the top to be much, much closer – um, but yeah, having a guy like Von Miller clearly is kind of like a little nudge over the edge, you know, um, no pun intended. And then I think that, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the rest of the guys that they have with their pass rushing group. None of them are really like big time stars. And you think about a Greg Rousseau, who's just part of the rotation, you know, a Boogie Basham, who can give you a little bit, AJ Epinesa, who can give you a little bit, Ed Oliver, who can rush the passer from the interior too. Um, none of those guys are like 
I don't expect any of them to be top five or top 10 or even top 15, you know, adjusting for like their snap usage and pressure rate. But I do think that you can get something out of each of those players and having just that kind of rotating cast of characters. I think opposite mm -hmm. a guy like Von Miller does a lot for your pass rush group. And especially when you start talking about mixing up all these different personnel packages, the way that we're seeing NFL teams do to get all these guys on the field or as many of them on the field as possible with the coverage that they have. You're not going to need, you know, for you're not, you're not going to need to get quick pressure all the time because quarterbacks are going to have to hold the ball to try to find guys that are open, given what they have in coverage this year. Yeah. Well, speaking of coverage and we kind of wrap here since we both agree on, on the bills, uh, Kyrie Elam out of Florida, um, like looking at this roster again, like they've got Dane Jackson. But mm -hmm. I, I, and then, of course, Taron Johnson is one of the better slot corners in the NFL, but I do think they want him to start. Maybe, I, I mean, at some point this season, I think they drafted him, you know, with the intention of using him pretty soon. Um, I liked him, you know, in college. Uh, very long, very physical, good ball skills, uh, uh, in, you know, very good in press. I do think little, how do I put this? I wouldn't, I, I think he was in that second tier of corners for a reason, like, you know, because he wasn't as smooth as I would have liked him to be. Yeah, I think that he could, he's also a little bit grabby, right? So you do have to worry grabby. about, especially as a young player, you know, the defensive holdings, the illegal contacts and pass interferences. Like that was something that came up in his college career. And I certainly expect it to come up again as a young corner in the NFL. Um, so that is something that I do have my eye on. Um, I was very, very high on Elam as a player. Um, I thought that, you know, maybe a difference between you and I, I think I had him a little bit closer to like the top tier of corners. And I think that some of that just kind of comes down to like taste and style of play. Um, you know, watching him as a corner, like that's a really big priority for me is seeing somebody who's comfortable in press. And I'm not the yeah. only person to mention like how he played against Alabama in his career or, you know, playing against Georgia's wide receivers throughout his college yeah. career. You know, he stands up pretty tall against, you know, the Jameson Williams of the world. Yeah, you know, I was just I about to he, say the Bama game was one that, yeah, obviously yeah. The, him in man coverage versus Jameson Williams was really impressive. Although there were times where I was like, that gets called. That gets called. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, he, he got a little, little jitterous with the hands, you know, more than once in that game. Um, but I do think that, you know, and then when you talk about just like rookie development situations, I can't imagine anything better than saying that you yes. have Teron Johnson playing, you know, locked in as a slot corner and I'm opposite Trey White. So if I am having a rough time, you can always just roll a safety over the top and play like your quarter, quarter halves types of things, you know, or play kind of soft, more soft in zone, which is something that they did a bunch of last year when Trey White went down with an injury. That's one of the reasons yes. why they were able to kind of hold their position amongst the top defenses in the NFL was that, you know, Sean McDermott and, and Leslie Frazier were able to make those adjustments to be able to handle not having dominant talent on the perimeter. So now that they have it again, I do expect this to be right at this team to be right at the top, you know, of all defensive ratings and advanced stats. That's a great point about the adjustments after losing White. All right. Who do you have at number two? Number two. So this is tough. Mm. Number two for me, I'm putting the San Francisco 49ers there. Whoa. Um, okay. That, so I just, wow. I have them at five. So keep going. Okay. So I'm interested to hear who's who's in between for, for them then. But for me, I think a lot of it is what I've seen from them in terms of getting great pass rush up front 
And then what their linebackers and their nickels, like all their interior defenders, what they're able to do, both in terms of stopping a run while playing a bunch of like two high coverages. And, you know, I think that you've talked about and, and I've had, you know, a bunch of my colleagues come on and talk with you about, you know, what they do with their linebackers in terms of getting depth and taking away those explosive plays in the passing game. Like just looking at the roster alone, I may not say that, but every time I've said this about this 49ers defense, they've turned around and like returned top five to top eight, top 10 types of defenses. Um, and yeah. I think that they just have something figured out in terms of balancing playing four down while also playing with two high safeties and being able to balance stopping the run, getting after the quarterback and eliminating explosive plays. No, now I feel like I should have them higher. It, I think a big reason why they belong maybe even higher than five, and I'm already regretting my list, is um, D'Amico Ryan's, the fact that they were able yeah. to retain him. I think he's one of the best defensive coordinators already in the NFL. I also think uh, the signing of Travarius Ward yes, will really help him to yeah to evolve the defense, right? Because so much of the time last year, they were trying to protect their very bad cornerback group. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Extremely penalized cornerback group. And, um, you know, I think with Trevarius Ward, who comes from Kansas City, he can play more man coverage. I think Ward is not mm -hmm. a liability in terms of, you know, the penalties and whatnot. I do have some questions about kind of the rest of that group. Obviously, health, Jason Ferret, you know, um, yes. the rookies. That's, kind exactly, of well, that's my exact note. <laughs> I have yeah. health and, and then, all well, caps right next to his name. I, I think that's the whole secondary, though, um, because, yeah. like, you're looking at the safety groups really thin. George Odom not you know fantastic hasn't been fantastic uh, a lot of passer mm -hmm. rating of 122.3 over the course of his career um right. but this front is still so you know we, speaking of brilliant defensive coaches right um they are so good at elevating role players like so you know contavious street was a contributor he's gone but now you bring carrie Hyder back yeah it's probably gonna right. be freaking awesome for them again right like it just feels like they're able to take anyone and obviously the you know when you have eric armstead and nick bosa right. in that mix and um you know it's makes things a lot easier i think they need a little bit more out of javon kinlaw for me to be really like okay this is could be a dominant defense but um and then we didn't even mention fred warner so you know fred warner yeah absolutely warner. you know it, it's funny like going back and watching like if i'm a defensive lineman who's just kind of like a rotational edge rusher type i'm going to be beating my agent's door every year to see if they can get me to san francisco you know especially yeah. if i'm looking at like what they were able to do with arden key while he was yeah. there you mm. know like getting being able to just squeeze every ounce of great production that you can out of these role player types opposite of nick bosa you know it, it's done so much for them defensively i think that drafting uh drake jackson to add into that secondary pass rusher uh, rotation with D Ford and Samson Ebukam, like there's a lot there. I think that you can see in terms of pass rush. So I don't think they're going to miss on miss out on any of the departures they've had in their defensive line rotation. Um, so that's one of the things I'm really looking at. And then you kind of touched on the rest. Having Travarius Ward to go play one on one coverage more often allows them to do more. I think with this defense. Warner and Greenlaw were all, both great last year. Um, and if they're healthy, you know, in the secondary and, you know, you get another great year out of Jimmy Ward the way that they did last season, I do think that they can still cover for, you know, the fact that I don't think they have a great second option at safety, you know, a, a great option to play opposite Jimmy Ward. Um, and I do wonder about, you know, some of their interior defensive line rotation outside of Eric Armstead. Yes. So they've been DJ able to Jones. make it happen before, yeah. Ugh, but we'll, was, we'll uh, see. DJ Jones, sneaky underrated loss at nose tackle for yes. this team. Um, and he's going to appear yes. on one of their teams, I suspect, that might make this list. Well, okay. 
Number three. Uh, well, who's two for you? I'm, I'm fascinated to hear who's two for you. Or are we going to circle back around to yours? No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So I had the Packers at two. Is that crazy? No, because they're my three. Dude, I just kept looking at this step chart and yeah, it's they're it's so sickening. stacked. They're so yeah, stacked. It's sickening. Um, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, they are the definition of no weaknesses um, on their defensive roster. So I guess we can just jump there then, since that's your two. Um, well, they're, are they just, your, they're, they're your three. You said yeah, they're my three, and okay. like my, all my notes for them is literally just like a list of names, like yes. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell. Like I can run down the entire lineup, and it sounds ridiculous. Like I. I can't believe that there is a roster that has both a quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers and a defensive lineup like this um, that exists in the NFL. Um, you know, I think that they did a great job of bringing in Quay Walker to kind of address that second linebacker spot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our, I think our good friend Justice Mosqueda has kind of detailed the revolving door that they've had, you know, at the second level of the defense and some of the concerns I think they've had with Devondre Campbell stepping out of the box to be more of a pure coverage player. I think after last year and seeing some of the improvements he made, just playing in the box as a run first and maybe matching up with running backs type of defender, that's clearly his best usage and getting a Quay Walker who can step out into space every once in a while, like he did at Georgia and playing coverage. And he's just another huge body, you know, to play in the box against the run game. And that's one of the things that always sticks out to me is when you, when you take that lineup, like when NFL on ESPN or Fox or CBS gives you those lineups of faces and heights and weights, <laughs> like that has got to be the hugest defensive front in the NFL. I think so, pound for pound. Yeah. I mean, the depth, uh, on the line, you know, having lost Tyler Lancaster is one thing, but then I forgot like Jaron Reed was on the team. I just, I mean, not that he's like a superstar, but, um, you know, him, Wyatt Clark, who remains one of the most, is it, is he underrated? I feel like maybe he's not under, he's not, he's not underrated financially maybe or wrong right. people, but like he's so good. I mean, interior um, defensive linemen in general are always going to be, I think, underrated outside of like the Aaron Donald division of yes. interior linemen. Right. Um, yeah. So the, it, I think, and then you talked about the size in the linebacker group, and suddenly you look at like, man, this what was once a very glaring weakness on this team suddenly looks like a strength, assuming Devondre Campbell wasn't a one year wonder. Um, right. which is, I mean, what he, he did, he had like a Josh Allen-esque leap last year. Yes. I think like, like legitimately dude, went from being a bad linebacker to a very, very good linebacker. Unreal. Unreal. But, um, you know, I love the drafting of Quay Walker. Um, I do think, you know, you lose to Darius Smith. So I think edge rush is going to be something to keep your eye on. Obviously, Rashawn yep. Gary's gotten, he also, I wouldn't say he take a, took a Devondre Campbell likely, but he's gotten better and mm. better. Um, and then, you know, the secondary, they didn't have one of the three best cornerbacks in the NFL last year and right. they get him back in Jair Alexander, um, which is just amazing. I was really impressed by Eric Stokes, who is the fourth most targeted player in football. Yes. I thought he held up pretty damn well, uh, in that, you know, his first year. And so like I, and then of course the safety do is good too. I just think they're so talented at every level. And then they're also well coached with Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned that the Bills are probably the best team, I think, playing in zone coverage, especially when you're looking at like some of the split safety stuff they do as far as quarters yep. and cover two and all that. And I do think that they were the best performing, but the Packers might have been my favorite to watch, like on all 22. You would just see teams like take these dropbacks and safeties are just coming flying out of the roof to go take away these dig routes or curl routes, you know, and, and you've got like these great underneath defenders, you know, playing in zone coverage or playing Titan coverage, you know, and, and carrying guys up the seam and forcing quarterbacks to really have to work to number three and number four in their passing progression. And that's how a team that had or was missing Zadarius Smith for, you know, a, a good chunk of the season was still able to create some kind of pressure, you know, and I do think that that's going to help them a lot because there is no, to your point, dominant, clear, you know, clear cut, number one edge rush type guy, you know, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are more like pocket crushers, you know, power rush mm -hmm. types, late, you know, late pressure, cleanup pressure type guys. Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark can get after quarterbacks, but they're the same type of ilk. So I think that having a healthy Jair Alexander, who I do think we'll probably see more in the slot this year against these 11 personnel types of looks, I think adds even more versatility and inability to play Titan coverage with their guys, you know, in the secondary. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what this defense looks like. Okay. So I think we probably have the same two teams next. So who is your, so wait, first tell me what you think that the two teams are. I'm going to guess. Not, you, guess not the order necessarily. I'm guessing Chargers and Buccaneers because those are my two next teams. Okay, this is where we're really different. Okay. I, at the very last second, took the Chargers out of my top 10. No way. Oh, I, I, I know, have to hear I know. It. I'm going to regret it. I know. It was, I, I, I just. Well, if it's for uh, just Chargers, you know if it's okay, just I'm, for I'm general Chargers reasons, I can't argue well, that logic. Okay, let's just talk about the Chargers. So you have them at uh, three, you said, or four? I have them at four. Okay, so let's talk about them. I probably should have – it was a weird – I don't know. I felt pressure. I was looking at the Eagles, and they were just so much better than I thought, and I was just mm -hmm. very panicking. Okay, so obviously the Chargers you know, had the, one of the craziest off-seasons, right? Um, right. And the additions of Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Wild. Right. Um However, I, think, I still you know, have some concerns. Adding depth with Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, like those are two good players. Morgan as well. Fox, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what's your hangup? This linebacker group is not good, man. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, like I have, yeah. It's Drew Tranquil and a whole bunch of question marks after that. And I think that if they're left in a position where you have to play Kyle Van Noy off the ball, like while I love him as a player, I don't know that that's really like adding a bunch of value to your defense, actually. You know, in terms of on field performance, given his age and, and you know, how, how long he's been in the league and how many miles he's racked up by, from playing in New England. So I do have a lot of questions about the second level of this defense. <laughs> You just know they're going to cut Kyle Van Noy. He's going to go back to New England and be awesome, right? Oh, like of course. We, we know how this Absolutely. plays out. The story ends. Okay, so my concern was I, I don't I, I question how much better their run defense will be. I understand you know SJD's good player, Khalil mm -hmm. Mack, very actually good in run defense, um, but I'm still looking at him and I still I, I do wonder if they're going to be able to stop. It, it, you know, obviously they're going. It's impossibly worse than they were last year. Oh, that's not true. They were 30th in run defense, but. Um, <laughs> I was. The I don't Rex, think it can look any worse than it did. The Rex Burkhead game, man. The Rex Burkhead game yeah. just loses over all this. Okay, so you feel that? Let me ask you this question: Do you feel that their run defense is going to be significantly better, or do you feel that 
the additions that they're going to have against the pass, they're just going to make it so much. They're, they're going to be so good against the pass that it won't matter. I think that basically what I'm getting, I think they're going to be so good against the pass to take your yes. binary to answer that. I think they're going to be so much better against the pass <laughs> that it's not going to matter. But because I don't expect that their run defense is going to go from 30th to like eighth, but I do think they can get it to 14th to 16th. And I think that that's probably a good enough leap to where the additions that they've made on the back end can really, I think, you know, kind of be um, be appreciated the way that it needs to be. You know, we've heard Brandon Staley kind of talk about Derwin James moving closer to the line of scrimmage, which I think will be really fascinating for them um, and, and what that might add to them, not only in terms of like personnel versatility, but getting Derwin in situations where he can really thrive, right? Like whether he's manning up on tight ends or just playing out, you know, into the curls and flats and cover three and quarters and, you know, not asking him to always have to play deep or in the middle of the field. That, that was something I think that they had to do just kind of based on what they were missing at times last year, especially once the injuries started hitting in that mid, you know, that kind of mid season uh, part of the year. I think that having this depth, if nothing else makes it more likely that players like a Derwin James and some of the other guys that they've had on roster, don't get squeezed into roles that don't really fit what they needed uh, do, from do you, them defensively. Do you feel that they have safety depth though? I guess a lot of it comes down to how you feel about like whether or not JT Woods can be like an immediate contributor. Yeah, I'm kind of up in the air about it. I don't think that it's like star depth, especially when you're talking about some of the other teams that we've discussed. Like it's not even yeah. close to the Packers, certainly not even close to the Bills. I would say that you're probably arguing them in the same way that you would with the 49ers, which is like, hey, if their defensive backfield with J.C. Jackson, um, I think a better Asante Samuel this year, given some added experience. Yeah, yeah, he had some ups um, and downs, but obviously playing with Jackson from them. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. So like, that's one of the things that I I had questions about not only Asante Samuel, but like what Mike Davis's role is going to be on this team last year, because he did not look great. He did not look great last season. So yeah, you know, I mean, this it, it's is a really... still a little touch and go in some spots. No. Um, so the, a lot of this is kind of stars and scrubs esque. I was, ju- know, I was just about building. to say, this is, this is, you know, kind of Rams esque, which makes sense given yeah. coach's lineage. Like can, you know, uh, the additions that they've made, the superstars they've added, be kind of force multipliers on position groups that maybe right. aren't that deep. I think it's, and then you combine that with Brandon Staley's scheme. I think um, it could definitely work. I think maybe I was just too it's just too distracted by the linebacker group. I don't know. Let's. It just shouldn't no, matter as it. much as it shouldn't matter outside the top ten. They should be in the top ten. I'm so like I'm- I keep backing off my takes. I, I, I will just say, like, <laughs> I, I don't. It's not like I dislike these people as as human beings, but I think that this defense seeing less Jerry Tillery and less Kenneth Murray, I think, will probably be pretty additive to them in terms of like just value and performance on a week by week basis. Yeah, it's been a it was a tough scene at times not, last not year. Great. Okay, so not so my four and five or the Bucks and the Saints actually. So you've got the Saints outside. I what do. Number you the I do have the Saints in my top ten, or I guess they're on okay. the cusp for me. Oh, okay. So well, that's fascinating. Let's talk about the Bucks since we both have them in the top five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to just kind of remind people. I mean, there, there's some interesting losses here. I would say, you know, JPP's gone. Wasn't that much. I wasn't super productive last year. But you are counting on Joe Tryon Shayinka, who's, you know, at times flashed, I think, sort of pass rush ability. They drafted him for to step up opposite Shaq Barrett. Um, mm-hmm. You add Logan Hall, which was a draft pick I loved. That was a very good fit for this uh, 
defense. Keem yeah. Hicks, of course, Vita Vea remains there. Uh, Sue is still unsigned, I believe. Linebacker group's the same. Uh, and then the cornerback group's the same, hopefully back and healthy. And then, right. and I think this is a sneaky big one. You lose Jordan Whitehead at safety. Um, yes, but you had Logan Ryan. A guy who can, who's ready to start right now, I don't think. Yeah, so I still think that there's just, there aren't enough stars at every position. And I really, I really like um, some of the additions that they made up front as well. Did you like the Logan Hall pick as much as I did? I loved it. Like, I think that when I was talking to some of our colleagues, um, when the pick came in, I was like, dude, they cannot keep getting away with this. Like, yeah. there's no, there, there was just no need for this defensive front to go out and add like a, what I think can be an elite pass rushing three technique at like yes. the best version of him. Uh, it's just sickening to have him next to what they already have on their defensive front. And then you start looking at that depth chart and I started typing in the names and I'm like, you could split this defensive front in half and hand it to another NFL team. And that would be a very good defensive line to have. Um, especially having Akeem Hicks there, you know, if he's still able to contribute, I think at a starter level, which I do expect him to be able to do, especially playing yeah. alongside some of these other guys. Like this is still going to be the best run defense in the NFL. And if they're healthy in the back end, I think that they'll be good enough in coverage to still be a top 10 level defense. By the way, Logan Hall not only I think has incredible upside as a pass rushing three tech, also very good in run defense, something that I yes. noticed watching him. And of course, this has been, you know, historically one of the best run defenses in the NFL. I just love that pick. Mm. Love the fit. I, at first, I thought, he, like, mm, do you really want him in a 3-4? But I don't think it really matters. Um, right. For me, my concern with this team, I would just say, like, um, there's, you know, the secondary is at times been a problem a lot of that has to do with health um but defenses right. have been pretty or offenses pardon me have at times had success picking on the weak links <clears throat> sean murphy bunting mm -hmm. or yeah. um you know in this case whoever's coming in at safety i mean they, they kept mike edwards who at times i thought played well but i think it's going to be very similar to the bucks defense we've seen in recent years where it's extremely blitz heavy obviously todd bowles is the head coach um and really counts on that front seven to get home I mean, that's the question, right? Is like with everybody healthy between Murphy Bunsen, Cockrell, um, Davis, and Dean, like, is that good enough? That's going to be the question, mm -hmm. I, I think, all season long for them. Um, I do think that having having Dean and Davis healthy and playing on the field more often, I think does kind of add or makes it a little bit harder to pick out those obvious mismatches in coverage. Yeah. Um and maybe you are able to get enough out of a Logan Hall where if you're getting quick pressure up the interior, especially when you're adding in a Shaq Barrett, and if Joe Tryon, I think, can continue to grow as a pass rusher, maybe that is just enough. Like, But I, I do have half an eye on what this is going to look like in, in the secondary. Um, you know, I think about that that divisional round game against the Rams, and mm. it was just very clear before a bunch of the Tom Brady magic started happening that that secondary was just not good enough to keep explosive offenses, you know, at bay. So uh, that is, I think, the thing that they need to address is finding that balance between sending a lot of pressure, which we know Todd Bowles loves to do, and still being, you know, I think not conservative, but wise enough on the back end to not leave guys in one-on-one -on -one situations when they know that they're not able to cover guys. So that I think and is man, just going to be the balance that they're trying to strike. They were so up against it at times with injuries. Yep. I mean, Richard Sherman played for this team, lest you forget. Oh my God. That was, oh, oof. didn't love seeing that. Okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Top five. 
Um, very curious to see where you have the Saints, but it's not at six. So we're going to take a break and come back and find out who Deontay does have at six. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, man. So it's not New Orleans. Can I take a guess? Yeah, go ahead. Denver? No, no, not Denver. But it is a team that I think you've mentioned um, before when we were talking about uh, Philadelphia. The four and five. Yes, it is a Philadelphia Eagles. I have them. I think at six, if I if I'm counting correctly. Um, and a lot of this is just like additions, additions to necessary pieces, uh, necessary roles within this defense. So whether it's through the draft with N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, uh, Jordan Davis, obviously the more talented player, but I think getting N'Kobe Dean uh, is a huge add for them at linebacker. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll do a lot for them, especially if he's healthy and ready to contribute. They needed an athlete at the second level that has the kind of range that I think Dean has. Having Jordan Davis to play next to Fletcher Cox, I think, is ridiculous and creates a nice little succession plan uh, because I do think that this might be it for Fletcher Cox this season, um, so yeah. at least in Philadelphia. You know, maybe he gets another contract, but it definitely seems like he's on the way out. Um, getting James Bradbury, you know, late in the spring, <laughs> I think mm. that was a major add to play alongside Darius Slay. And perfect uh, for what they do, by the way. Absolutely. 100%. So I love the I love having those guys on the perimeter now. Um, and then, you know, a, a lot of this, I think, just kind of comes down to the fact that they don't have great safety. So now you're really going to have to hope yeah. that your pass rush is enough to get home to keep you from giving up a bunch of explosive plays up the seam. But that's basically where I think that that defense is at. And I do like the additions enough to be able to defend the run and having good play at, at cornerback on the perimeter is usually what you need, um, I think, to get close to being a top 10 level defense. And that's where I have them at now. Yeah. So the safety position is the biggest problem on this roster. Rodney McLeod's mm -hmm. gone. So you're looking at Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, Kayvon Wallace. Um, but otherwise, like I, the secondary suddenly looks really nice to me. I mean, you talked about obviously having Darius Slay, who's been excellent for this team opposite yeah. James Bradbury is great. And, but uh, Avante Maddox, like who kind of was bad. Yes. <laughs> Once they, no no kind of about it. I watched a lot of okay. those games. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's actually kind of nice inside. Um, yes. And I think they've kind of figured out, you know, that's the right role for him. Um, the front seven 
I'm not gonna or the the defensive front. I'm not gonna say compare it to the Super Bowl D, D line in terms of the depth. It's obviously not that right. great, but it's pretty freaking good, man. I mean, the Hassan Reddick signing like weirdly kind of mm-hmm. flew under the radar, I think. Um, but he's been very good now for two years as a pass rusher. And, you know, they, they, they've done a really nice job of like kind of phasing, like building the next generation while, you know, obviously some of the stars from that Super Bowl are aging and nearing the end. You, you mentioned Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham's getting up in years, but, yep. and, you know, Javon Hargrave, uh, who hopefully will be healthy this season. But what I love is you got a player like Jordan Davis. And as you mentioned, you can just ease him in situationally and, Right. Hopefully, over the course of the season, his role will expand. But I just really like the depth in this group. Um, I, I would say just linebacker, you know, with, if Dean's healthy, I feel so great. If he's yes. not, I don't feel good at all. It remains an issue. It remains an issue. Yeah. Um, okay. So you have the Eagles at six. I had them at eight. So okay. um, they're in my second half as well. Who do you have at seven? So honestly, every team, almost every team from this point, well, I guess seven, I think I feel pretty solid about. And then I think every team from this point, you could basically argue as a cusp team to me. Like, yeah, I agree. Um, so, and I'm actually interested to see if you have this team in your top 10. I'd have to imagine that you would. And for me, it's the Baltimore Ravens. I have them at 10. I okay. went back and forth I on this. Make your top 10. Okay. We, I mean, I, I think we both share the same reservation about this team, I'm guessing, which is pass rush. Yeah, absolutely. They just don't have great pass rush. That's what it is. Um, that is the hole. I think that that still exists on this roster. But you know, just looking at that defensive backfield, you know, it's Woo! it's really easy to get excited about that if everybody's healthy, man. It, it's it's nasty between you know Kyle Hamilton as a draft pick, Jalen Armour Davis, who I think can go contribute immediately, and if not him, you have Kyle Fuller to be your third corner, you know, to play alongside, you know, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, you know, Chuck Clark, you have Marcus Williams as your big free agent signing, um, all the, and all these things to the point that you've made about force multipliers that allows guys like Josh Mine and Patrick queen to really do what they need to do best, yeah. which is just moving forward, attacking, being good run defenders, mashing up with running backs, you know, when need be, I think that that adds a lot to them. And if they're able to get anything at all out of Calais Campbell on the interior, um, that does a lot for them as well. So defensive backfield in terms of coverage, this might be, they might end up in that tier with, you know, the Buffaloes and the green bays in terms of the ability to take away explosive plays and play tight in coverage. Yeah, I think the interior of the D-line, it just remains as Raven Z as ever. You got Clayus, yes. Michael Pierce, Matabike. They draft Travis yeah. Jones, who's basically like a giant granite boulder to just set on the yes. field um, out of UConn. Uh, so I, I really like that. I, I But yeah, just to go to the edge issue, I mean, they drafted David Ojabo, which we love, but obviously right. he's not going to play this year. Right. Um, you lose some veterans who are not super productive anyways, but you you need Otafe Owe to take a massive yeah he's got to be a dude um and he he was like a dude for them like right now he definitely showed talent i think obviously you know with wing martindale a lot of that was um part of blitzing but i think i'll be curious to see and and this is kind of what i wanted to ask you about with the ravens um how the new defensive coordinator um mike mcdonald what that changed what that means for the defensive front, which I, for starters, I imagine is going to blitz a hell of a lot less. 
Oh, absolutely. I think that almost by default, any defensive yeah, coordinator they brought in right, yeah. was going to drop that blitz rate quite a bit. I do think that what you'll see is maybe a little bit more, a 3-4 defense that's a little bit more um, reminiscent and closer to what you see typically from the 3-4 coaches that we have in the NFL in terms yeah. of the Vic Fangio coaching tree. You know, So I, I think that it will probably be something close to like that Brandy Staley-esque. It might not be that exactly. Um, but if you go and look at what um what mcdonald was at michigan as a defensive play caller there was a lot of that changing personnel groupings playing with five down defensive linemen um and two high safeties which is a really difficult you know kind of midpoint to strike um schematically like asking guys you know on the edge to really i think unlock what you want to do on the back end of the defense i think it's going to be a really big piece of that and that just puts that much more of a question mark on guys like odafe Owe, right and how he's going to perform so that's what it comes down to and i think that if you're able to get good outside linebacker play out of their guys on the edge and now you're really able to get the most out of a guy like a kyle hamilton and we know what marcus williams is as a versatile safety there's a lot of potential there, um, I, I think, to be a really, really elite defense, especially like on third downs and things like that, where you can start manufacturing pressure a little bit better than what I think they'd get if they were just in a straight four down, you know, cover one type of look like you typically see in the NFL. Yeah, I think this team, I mean, first of all, like obviously getting Marcus Peters back healthy and then Marlon Humphrey. No, he's, he's, he's such a good player, but at the, it really, you know, that um, gif of Jon Snow standing before the yes. army. In, from yeah. Game of Thrones, that's what it felt like watching Marlon Humphrey down. Yes. Poor guy, like you know, and Jamar Chase is just posterizing him. He's a good player. He just was literally on an island by last himself. Year. Yeah. But um, so getting all those guys back is enormous, and obviously uh, allows Coach McDonald to do what some of the Fangio-esque stuff you talked about. But I do think this team is like a really fascinating case study for how much safeties matter in today's NFL yes. because they are stacked. <laughs> loaded right now yeah. i thought they might trade chuck clark but they haven't so right now you're looking at marcus williams who i think is an upgrade for them one mm -hmm. of the best free safeties in the nfl and then mm -hmm. you add you know so you got clark who's um, a little bit more of a thumper and then kyle hamilton who's like this versatile weapon who by the way they can also he can also use to rush the passer uh I, and i yes. would hope he does and suddenly it's like oh damn okay what is this defense going to look like? And it, it really becomes, I think it all starts with that position. Yeah. I mean, it's all like snap usage and, and personnel usage. That'll tell us a lot. I think that, um, while I, I did expect like you for Chuck Clark to maybe be moved, the fact that they didn't clearly, I think kind of signals to me that they think that there's a high level of value that they can get out of playing like dime packages where Chuck Clark can play in the box, which is something that he's done very, very well throughout his career. Um, so I, I, clearly they see a lot of value in that. And then not only with Clark, but with Hamilton playing those guys close to the line of scrimmage when they need to, both of those players are comfortable doing so. And again, that just unlocks so much more for you defensively. And if they're healthy on the perimeter, that does allow you to play a little bit more man-to-man -man coverage. It does allow for a little bit more single high. And maybe you can pressure when you need to. Um, and I do think that that's going to be something that's important for them too, you know, kind of harping on what we've been talking about in terms of a lack of a pure pass rush on the edge. All right. Number eight. So I think this is we're, we're in the, the zone where we the team, uh, like you said, it's a lot of cusp teams. And I think you could flip a lot of orders. Yeah, I was going to say this is probably the part of the list where I think I'm most prepared to end up being dunked on um, <laughs> a year from now when we mm. kind of look back on this. So I will put. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm, I'm going to come to regret this. I'm going to put the Vikings in my top 10. 
Oh my They're god. You me. have the Vikings over the Saints? The Saints yeah. and Denver and Los Angeles? Oh my goodness. So they're all like all these teams are all kind of clustered together for me. Um so you could really make an argument for any of these teams from like eight to twelve, and I would submit. Um I, I just okay. like what the I know Vikings I love this. Done. I love this. Talk about it. Perimeter. Let's talk about the Vikings. So I think that well, A, I think anybody who's followed me kind of knows my love for Lewis Cien as a safety. Um, I think yes. that putting him and Harrison Smith together, I think, is a great pairing. Um, I think that, you know, getting uh Mackenzie Alexander, I think a little bit less involved as a defensive back, I think helps as well. They're able to address that in the draft. Um with Kyler Gordon. If I not Kyler Gordon, he's a bear. Who am I thinking of? They Andrew just Booth. drafted it. Something in my mind. There you go. Andrew Booth. So if Andrew, he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, if he's healthy and he's able to play in the slot, I think that that does a lot for them. Um, Patrick Peterson, I think, you know, still has a little bit to give. I think they played a ton of zone last year because, you know, he's just not all that comfortable as a man corner anymore. You know, I think that that's kind of to be expected, too. Um, but that, you know, you have Zadarius Smith playing opposite Danelle Hunter. If those two are healthy and able to contribute. That's a pretty good edge rushing duo to have. Um, and I'm still a believer. I'm holding on to hope with this linebacking core between Barr and Kendricks that they can still give me, you know, one more really, really good year of play uh, before I think, especially with Barr, you know, eventually kind of has to be moved on from and phased out. So that that's kind of what I'm looking at for them. I think that what they have on the interior is enough. And I'm a big believer in Ed Donatel as, a, as another Vic Fangio acolyte, I think bringing in a different flavor defensively. And I think that that'll kind of help them get to or get back to, I should say, playing at a high level on the defensive end. All right. All right. Here's where you tear so this apart. The, the words Patrick Peterson has something to give are where <laughs> you can't see me right now, but my face uh, really turned. Um, uh-huh. I actually think this, this defense does have a lot of upside. When I was looking at it, I just think there's too many ifs. That, that was yeah. just for me what it was because you're counting on a couple. Of, I, I really like Lewis Seen. And by the way, the fact that the Vikings um, traded down for him or traded mm-hmm. down and, and grabbed him there, you know, at the end of the first round, I do think that kind of cuts to our. Uh, discussion with the Ravens about yes. positional value, value. and safety mm-hmm. position. And I do think he has, he has real potential to be great, but you're counting on a couple of rookies and him and Andrew Booth Jr. to step in day one. This is a team that yes. has really gone through it with young cornerbacks over the years. Um, but you know, I like that pick as well. Obviously I, I think that pick was a little bit made out of like desperation. Cause they were like, Oh, we haven't taken a cornerback, but um, yeah. you know, so that's an if um, Daniel Hunter is an, if I'm more confident in coming back and being great, uh, and you know, I think Zadarius Smith and him do like on paper, that's like really good. Um, and I do like that, you know, I, I talked about Buffalo losing Harrison Phillips. I thought that was like a sneaky, nice little signing for, um, yeah. Minnesota next to Dalvin certainly helps them. It helps. It helps them a, yeah. hell of a lot, actually, I think. for sure. So I, and I think that also is really good for Ed Donatel's defense. So, you know, counting on those guys up front to be run stuffers. So I, 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 I like it on paper. I just, you know, just like, uh, like yeah, a lot of stuff has to go right for this to to play out. That's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So okay. here's the next one to get me dunked on. Okay. Actually, no, I think this is relatively safe. I'll say because the Rams are the team. So they're what, nine for me. So now we're kind of getting towards the end of the top 10 on my list. Yeah. And- I had them at seven, but I was like, eh. Um, so I'm actually glad to hear you say that you've got them at nine because I was also like, there, you know, when I was shifting around the end of the list, I, I, I came away looking at this depth chart with a lot more skepticism than I had going into it. I was going to say, I actually, I just think that the top end talent for Tampa Bay, I think, is just a little bit 
well, I wouldn't say top end. I think that they're better role player wise than what where the Rams are at. But I think that both of those teams are in that, hey, we've been contending for multiple years now. So just a general roster attrition has made, you know, I think the Rams very, very yeah. top heavy um, in terms of their roster depth. And they're uh, at the top of the roster is about as good as it gets, right? Like you, you're still Correct. talking about yeah. the best corner and the best interior defensive lineman, you know, maybe if not the greatest football player to ever walk the earth, you know, on, mm-hmm. on your defense. So I do think mm-hmm. that there's still some reason to have, you know, a, a little bit of optimism about that. And I do think, uh, you know, and this kind of scares me to say a lot of this comes down to how, how well you feel about what Bobby Wagner will be. Um, at the mm. second level of the defense, this has been something that they've de-emphasized over the years. So to go take a linebacker, you know, with the money that they had available, I think was, it was a really fascinating thing to me um, this offseason. Yeah, I, I, you know, I actually don't I wasn't as apprehensive of it because I think Ernest Jones at the end of last year, who's a linebacker, they drafted, I believe, in the third round, looked like he could be a real star. And some of that, I think, yes. has to um plays into Raheem Morris like figuring out how to use him in such an effective manner in the playoffs but I think he's really impressive and and I think that's why like this team despite being so top heavy um you know we have to acknowledge they've had some they've hit on guys in mid rounds um you know obviously Jones third round um Nick Scott who was like a guy I wasn't even sure gonna make the roster in the Rams preseason was like suddenly turned into like the second coming of Earl Thomas in the playoffs. And we'll see if that persists. Um, and, and like, you know, so I think they've, they suffered a lot of injuries at safety, but then they had like these role players step up. I am. And I would say this is the single biggest reason why I am. Well, no, I, I should mention also losing Von Miller, Justin Hollins, another rookie. Right. We're going to see what he's got. Another preseason guy. I think the D, the D line still is awesome. Um, even without, without Sebastian Joseph Day. But the biggest concern I have about this team is the loss of Darius Williams. Um, yeah, I was going to I mean, yeah. I don't, I guess th- it's a lot of reliance on Troy Hill, who I think maybe did not, who I don't think had the greatest of seasons last year. No. Um, so, you know, and Sean McVay seems to be very, very, right. He, Sean McVay seems to believe that he can get what he had in him, you know, before he left back, you know, with him returning to Los Angeles. And maybe so, but I, I still have a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth with him and John Johnson having left LA and maybe not being the players that they were, you know, in that system prior. So, if they're able to get something out of him, then maybe. But losing Darius Williams is a big loss because that did free up that, that did free them up to do more with Jalen Ramsey, which was a major piece of them kind of getting their defense back in order in the second half of the year. And if you're not able to really maximize Jalen playing in the slot, playing on the perimeter, you know, doing different things in terms of mm-hmm. man and zone coverage, that does hurt this defensive backfield, especially one that does not have elite safety play at all. You know, and I think that losing a bit of pass rush too, there's just a lot of strain, I think, on their star players to cover up, you know, some of the holes that are on this roster. That's my apprehension right now. I was looking the other day at um, the QBR rankings uh, for defenses between the numbers. Where do you think the Rams landed? Oh, I'm going to say, I'm almost afraid to guess. Can I say bottom 12? 28th, just above the Oof. Raiders and Jags. Oh, and I was, I was scared I mean, to say that, and I was being generous. <laughs> and that's at all levels, so it's not just you know the safeties, uh, right. but also a lot of it had to do with offenses um, exploiting the linebackers in coverage. And I think that's where I get mm-hmm. a little bit concerned again. Like as much as I, I said, Ernest Jones is good, and I think 
Wagner will be helpful against the run. Um, right. I think that's still going to be an area that offenses famously the 49ers <laughs> take advantage of uh, yeah. against this team. All right. We're down to your, so I have a bunch of teams that obviously you haven't talked about. We're down to the 10. You have still not taken the New Orleans Saints. I just want to point that out here. The New Orleans Saints are dropping rapidly. They're in the green room. They're crying because Deontay <laughs> yes. has not selected hugging, them yet. Hugging moms and, and Are you going to stop their slide? Yes, we, we will stop the bleeding here and the, the Saints will round <laughs> out around my top 10. Um, I, I'm actually, and I think that, you know, again, it's, it's the same conversation that we've had with these veteran laden teams or teams that are trying to contend year over year, which is just like trying to turn over the roster. I think the biggest thing for me was just like the loss of Marcus Williams. That was like a really big gut punch for me and looking at this roster, but everything outside of that, like they're good players are still really, really good players. And I still love this defensive backfield. I'm just maybe a little bit up in the air about what Tyron Matthew was going to be in new Orleans, like what they're actually going to ask him to do. Um, yeah. That that's really, I think, where a lot of this is kind of stems from is what this defensive backfield, specifically at safety, is going to look like uh, in this upcoming season. If they still had Malcolm Jenkins, who, by the way, retired playing at a freaking high level, high <laughs> level. Yes. I was um, and when he left Philadelphia. I was concerned that he might be finished. Like he, no. he did not look very motivated to be a good football he, player at the he, end of his Eagles tenure. He finished first in success rate and coverage amongst all. DBs in the NFL last year. That's uh, just Ridiculous. speaking to his down to down competence. You know what I mean? Um, right. So uh, very impressive. I would feel so much better about the Matthew edition if Jenkins was still there and I could say, oh, Tyron Matthews mm -hmm. going to be a chess piece in this defense. And, you know, right. they're Dennis Allen. A luxury to, more than a. <laughs> yeah. I still think, I, I, I still think he's a good player. I think at times last year in Kansas City, it was almost like he looked kind of disinterested or whatever. Um, but uh -huh. I love that they brought Daniel Sorensen with him. Tyron's like, I can't escape. Um, <laughs> the part of the reason I'm higher on them, I, I do think, I think Marcus Williams is better. I think Marcus May is good. Who they signed. To I do think him. Marcus May is good. Um, I, I guess I'm part of it. Part of my question with that is just like, I think that both of those players are probably better playing closer to the line of scrimmage. So it's yeah. just like, how do you shake out who plays or who fills what role, you know? And that that's probably the thing that I have most question the most questions about. But in terms of everything else, especially like at the cornerback position, I have all the confidence in the world, you know, in the three DBs that they're going to have out on the field when they're playing nickel. Um, you know, whether you know starting off with Marshawn Lattimore, who I still think is in that conversation for top three, top four corners in the NFL. Yeah. Well, and then Chauncey Gardner Johnson's. Yes, say yep, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, one, yeah, one so. of if not the best slot corner in the NFL. So. I mean, the front seven is the same. So, right. And they were just so good. I, I hear your concerns about age. Obviously, Camp Jordan is kind of the name there, but, mm -hmm. you know, and Marcus Davenport maybe isn't, you know, he has not lived up to his draft status, but right. I think has shown enough down to down consistency to make me, I guess, confident that they're going to continue that level of play, get more out of Peyton Turner, who was a draft pick last year. Um, right. I don't know, man. And Demario, I, I mean, Demario Davis is one of the best linebackers there. in the league, too. And, the, so I don't, and they've yeah, got young, young, they lost Quan Alexander, but they've got young linebackers, off ball linebackers, mm -hmm. who I think kind of come along. Onyamata's right. still there. Right. Pete Warner was fine for them last year. You, yeah. You might be I'm, right. Maybe. Are you, right. <laughs> are you regretting having me? Yeah. I think that you're walking me off my take now. <laughs> okay. So here, there are two teams that I had in the top 10 that were not in your top 10. That we should okay. talk about. 
I got bullied into this and I didn't want them. I, I, I think I ranked them too high, but I still think they belong in the top 10 and that's Denver. Um, okay. Sell so, me on it. I think yeah, I can hear, I'd hear this out. Sell me on let's it. Let's go. Well, okay. So go, going back to front, you've got Pat Sertan, the second who's all right, who is, I think on the cusp of being one of the three best cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, yeah. You've still got Green Jackson and Justin Simmons. Jackson was a little bit boomer bust last year, but Simmons continues to be one of the best safeties in the league. Other than Sertan at cornerback, um, you bring in K1 Williams, who I think is super solid in the slot. Ronald Darby. It's a little dubious. But I think yeah. the combination of Sertan, K1 Williams, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons is enough. And obviously they had a lot of injuries last year with Fuller and Callahan. Right. Linebacker group, surprisingly decent. Josie Jewell. I like Josie Jewell. I like Josie Jewell a good player, a man. Yeah, he's, he's a really good run defender. Uh, and then up front, uh, I, we talked about the Niners losing DJ Jones. I think getting him there and, you know, they lost Shelby Harris, which is kind of an underrated loss. But I think next mm -hmm. to Draymond Jones, uh, that'll be a very confusing, yeah. but I think productive duo because uh, right. their names. And then you hopefully get Bradley Chubb. You lose Van Von Miller, but you get Randy Gregory. I think that's a, d a downgrade. And then you drafted uh, Nick Benito, who is a, a player I really liked. I mean, I, you're not needing him. I think you can use him as a designated pass rusher in this defense, and I think you can really get some production out of him. I mean, that's major for for Benito to be in a position where he's not going to be asked to be a right. plus player as, as an early down run defender type, because that's just not where his game is at right now. You know, it really wasn't what Oklahoma asked him to do while he was there either. Um, but yeah, to your yeah. point, like, Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory absolutely need to have a breakout duo type of season, I think, to get the most out of this defense. And if they maintain their health, especially like at the linebacker and defensive back position, maybe you are able to squeeze just close enough to be in the top 10. Um, like, And this was one of the teams that was on the cusp for me, too. So I, I can be sold on it. I think if they're healthy and you get a good Bradley Chubb season, I can see it. Um, and this is something I guess the only other question I really have, and this is one of the reasons why I put Buffalo number one is like opponent adjusting, like having to deal with yeah. what that division is, is going to be That's really fair. rough. Like the reason why I feel so good about the bills is because of the quarterbacks mm -hmm. that they have to see, like you get six games against two of Mac and Zach. Like I, I feel pretty confident that they're going to be near the top five, you know, if not number one overall defensively, I think for this defense, health is going to be of the utmost importance. And I think getting breakout years from their role players is going to be major because of the quarterbacks and offenses that you're going to be seeing on mm. a week by week basis in the AFC. But you're not worried about the Chargers defense. <laughs> no, because I, 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 I guess I just like Bosa. I like what Bosa and Matt can do for them. Yeah. As pass the pass defense then, is so good. The, 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 exactly. the Chargers defense you could really contend is built to play in their division. I think right. that's a, a good case for them. Right. Um, okay, the other team I had on the cusp, or I had in, but is not on your list, and is a team that I went back and forth on a lot. I had them at nine. Is the Miami Dolphins? So, oh, that's interesting. Okay, it is. Uh, so, the reason is it's largely the same right. <laughs> as last year. Um, I thought Javon Holland has the potential who was uh, a rookie last year, right, out of Oregon. Mm -hmm. he was, that was his first year. And, like, uh, at safety, has the potential to be an absolute superstar. Maybe I'm overestimating him, but I think he's just – He had a, a great year. No, he had an excellent he, year he, last year. Ball hop, too. Ten passes yeah. defended. I mean, a couple of picks. Um, I think there's continuity throughout. I think Christian Wilkins, who was – that was a much maligned draft pick, suddenly looks like a 
yeah. really, I wouldn't say like a star, but he's a really freaking good player. Um, you keep Agba, right. Jalen Phillips with the quietest 10 sacks ever seen. Granted, Miami blitz like yes. 99% of the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah. and then you add Channing Tindall uh, to augment the linebacker group. You keep Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard, obviously Byron Jones has been disappointing for them. Cornerback, I would say, is a you know, question, but it was a question last year, and they still were just freaking crushing teams with their pass rush. So I don't know. I just, you know, there's continuity with Josh Boyer. I mean, who was their defensive coordinator last year? You lose Flores, though, which is important. But I just kind of think they've got, like, good players. And I was kind of – at first I was like, eh, this roster's so thin. But then I was like, well, you know, like, Wilkins, Howard, Holland, like – Agba, those are good players. Yeah, and I think, I mean, continuity is certainly the strongest argument for it. You know, keeping your defensive coordinator, who was technically the defensive coordinator last yeah. year, too, to, to call the defense helps. They were already an extremely young defense, you know, throughout uh, Brian Flores' tenure anyway. So I think holding this group together and allowing them to grow together has, you know, kind of given them some pretty positive returns, especially with players that, you know, when you think about your Emmanuel Agbas or, you know, your Jerome Bakers, guys who at different points maybe didn't look like the greatest players in the world and have kind of grown mm. to being useful role players. Um, so I can certainly see, you know, just from the perspective of continuity and I think having, you know, a certain baseline of, I guess, plus-ish play at every position, you know, and some guys who I think do have the potential. You mentioned Javon Holland. You know, I think Xavier Howard at his best is another guy who can get to an elite level um, at times. You know, I think that they have some of the pieces. I think a lot of my question just kind of comes down to, you know, was all the secret sauce with building this defense out exclusive to Brian Flores in the way that he sees defense? Yeah. That's kind of what and I'm I, looking to have answered. And I think, you know, the fact that they lived and died so much based on whether or not they got home is, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, 24th in yards after catch for reception, 21st in yards per completion, but then you see the past defense overall numbers and they're so high and it's like, okay, well, like, we see what's going on here. So yeah, um, all the best. <laughs> I don't know. I think like Phillips, I mean, I think he, so he had 10 sacks and seven hits, which usually suggests regression. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you have more sacks and hits and all that, but I, 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 I think another year, that was his first year. He had the quietest right. 10 sacks of like any rookie I can remember. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I think, okay. So let, let's just kind of talk about, the, let's stay on the cusp here. Are there any other teams that you had in the cusp? that you feel like a little bit iffy about leaving out? Um, I probably, they probably really don't even deserve, I think on talent to be on the cusp because I don't think it's the most talented roster, but I guess maybe it's just like my respect over the decades for Bill Belichick still has them kind of hanging around like the cusp for me. It's I just, know. man, the it's, roster, man, that roster is, ugh, they, it's been stripped. <laughs> it's, it is not nearly as shiny as what it was even two years ago. And certainly not as good as what it was last year on paper. I just don't understand some of the decisions that they've made. I, 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 well, anyway, so like the biggest concern, I mean, cornerback. Who is playing corner on this football team? Jalen Mills is your number one corner. Jonathan Jones is a good uh, nickelback. He's still yes. there. He's, he's good. Um, and then you got Malcolm Butler back and then it's just. Oof. They drafted Marcus Jones in the third round. Um, I will say, I think Kyle Duggar is ascending. And yes, I, love I like Duggar, the, I like the safety I love group. Adrian Phillips, like Peppers and some McCordy. of the role players. They I got they got players, like. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, was gonna, I don't want to position it as though it's a talentless defense, but 
man. No, Christian Barmore, I thought was awesome as a rookie, right. and it was only going to get better. Judon, still like you know, Dietrich wise, he's still a pretty good contributor. Lawrence Guy is still a good contributor. Like, there's something like, there. Where are the stars? I think that is right. the question. And you look at this, you're kind of like, okay. And I, you know, I thought Judon was like so hot at the beginning of the season, and then you know, tailed off a little bit, but. Yeah, I just think it's not very – there just aren't stars on this defense. Well, and this is something I think that – I've talked to a few people who cover the Patriots, and they've kind of made mention of this too with um, some of Gerard Mayo's comments about evolving this defense schematically. Um, I think that we kind of saw that in some of the linebackers, the moves that they made, getting lighter guys, faster guys in theory. I yeah. do think that there's probably going to be a little bit more of like old school cover three zone stuff. They've definitely been phasing out how often they've been playing man. You know, it oh, started yeah. with, with, with losing Stephon Gilmore and now not having JC Jackson either. I, you are not playing cover one the way that they have over yes. the last four or five years. Like that, that would be, I think, a death knell for this defense. So I'm really kind of fascinated to see maybe playing a little bit more soft zone, maybe playing a little bit more like four down and getting out of some of the three, the three, four stuff. I think that we know Bill Belichick for kind of seems like it's being hinted at happening. So if that's the case now, not only are we talking about personnel takeover and a lack of stars, but a different defensive approach. And one that I think that there have been a lot of conversations around whether or not you can still live in that world where you're just rushing for and playing a lot of like zone coverage. There are a lot of questions about whether or not you can do that in the NFL, especially playing single high. Obviously, you as a Seahawks fan would know. I feel like every conversation about your team, about your favorite team is revolving around that. So I'm really just fascinated to see whether or not, you know, they're able to make this little philosophical adjustment work with the talent that they have on roster. Yeah, I think that's it comes down to if you're going to rush for, do you have the guys who the can board, get home yeah. the way Seattle that, that was always the most underrated aspect of those Seattle Legion of Boom teams was how quietly stacked they were with like Avril and Bennett and whatnot. Um, yeah. I think if you get another good year out of Judon and then Barmer takes a leap and then Josh Uche is the one I would actually single out him as being okay. If Josh Uche takes a leap, I can see it, you know, but like. Right. That's got to, I mean, you, you need, you need more pass rush than Judon. Yeah. I mean, and Judon is nice as a player, but you're not, oof, yeah, it's just tough. It's tough for me to yeah. lay out exactly what this pathway is to be in top 10. So here's the team. I have the cusp on the cusp, the Tennessee Titans. You surprised? Same. Not at all. You're saying? Yeah. No, um, I, I agonized over whether or not I think that they would be top 10. Yeah. I, Okay. So the the front is largely the same. Mm -hmm. The uh, law firm of Landry, Dupree, Simmons. Or did they lose someone? Am I, who am I blanking on? Oh, no, Autry. Autry's still there, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think Dupree can be better than he was last year. He was coming off of an injury going to that season. Right. I just think like that was probably the – but maybe not, you know. Um Linebacker group has, you know, they've had guys leave early draft picks, but I think you've had guys like David Long, I think is totally um, serviceable for them. And, yeah, and then you fine. get to the, then you get to the secondary. And this is where, this is a, this is a big if team. Uh, so Kevin Byard's amazing, obviously. Right. The corner group is very young, but. Extremely young and inexperienced. <laughs> but I kind of like some of these players. Like, so I think Christian mm -hmm. Fulton really started like I, th I, I thought he looked better last year than I expected. I think in his rookie season, um, in a, in you know he's put in some pretty inauspicious positions. 
I think Elijah mm-hmm. Molden is uh, a very good nickel. We'll see yep. what they get out of Caleb Farley. And then they drafted Roger McCreary, who, you know, despite the T-Rex arms, like that dude ha- is has a really solid track record of playing good wide receivers in the SEC. So very young, very if team, but I just kind of find this corner group exciting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this kind of does come back to whether or not Caleb Farley can be healthy and able to contribute as yeah. the kind of corner that they need, right? Like, I, but I do like all the role players that they kind of have around them. You mentioned Roger McCreary, who, you know, I ultimately, I think, took out of like that top tier of corners just because of his his lack of arm length. But to your point, if you're scouting the traits and the ability to actually stand out on the perimeter and cover, there's not many guys who are better in college football last year than he was. You mentioned, Chris, you mentioned Christian Fulton, who was another guy who I think is a good contributor. So they've been able to get a lot out of these young guys in the little roles that they've been kind of growing out for them in general. Elijah Molden, I think, was way better last year than I had anticipated. Um, so that's a guy that, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing whether or not he grows. And if that happens, given what they already have in terms of having a star safety, then it's just a matter of getting good edge rush to me and whether or not Zach Cunningham can give you enough on first and second down to get you into those, you know, mm. obvious third down passing situations, yeah, you know, that, when he can come off the field yeah. and you can play a little bit more in coverage. Our last memory of this defense is watching him sack Joe Burrow nine times. And still nine times. <laughs> I mean, they terrorized the Bengals. They ter- I, I still believe in this pass rush. Um, and yeah, I, I I just like how they fit together, especially Autry mm-hmm. and Landry. You know, like I just and and Tart and they've got just good depth up front. So my prediction for the team that's gonna be most mad, the fan base is gonna be most mad at being left out is Indianapolis. What do you think? <laughs> so that is yeah, that was the team. I was like, I can't I feel like I can't in good faith put them in the top ten, but I can understand somebody being upset for me not having them in the discussion. Um, made some Pretty big signings this offseason. Very uncharacteristic in some ways. Adding Yannick Ngakwe to uh, rush the passer opposite Quiddy Pay, And then signing mm-hmm. Stefan Gilmore, which was kind of fascinating given what this defense is. But um, which is, you know, Gilmore being such a man guy in this defense playing right. so much cover too. But um, yeah, like they're pretty deep. I mean, not deep, but pardon me, but like they're. I would say that when you look at the roster, they do look good. Like, you know, he so you got uh, Julian Blackman playing next to Kari Willis. They signed Rodney McLeod. Quietly really liked that. I think opposite Gilmore, I have some questions about cornerback. Mm-hmm. Kenny Moore in the slot's very good. Mm-hmm. And then I think I would just say, well, I don't know. The pass rush is good. Like it's not bad. I mean, having Ngakwe now to play with DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay, like it's a pretty good front four. Yeah. Am I talking myself into making? I think you are, but before you do that, I just ask you as a Seahawks fan, if you were if you were cheering for a team in the NFL and then you found out that they were hiring Gus Bradley to call your defense, how would you feel? Right. Yeah. Well, I think they've got the personnel for it. I'll just start there. I mean, I don't feel great about it, but um, I do think that like just they have the to do what he does, which is you know most cover three of any team at this point left in the league. No question, Raiders last year. I expect him to do more of the same. Mm-hmm. This is he, the talent is right for that. Yes. It's not where the NFL is going. It's not. I don't think it's like optimal, but I do think to our discussion earlier, like they do have the right players to pull it off. Oh, absolutely. Like this, 
having Gus Bradley there is going to be great for a guy like Darius Leonard. I think you get to play a little bit more downhill. I think that his skill set, you know, fits that well. We've talked about the front four bodies. Like if there's one thing that we know for a fact, it's that Gus Bradley, like all the Legion of Boom guys, like they have a very almost religious commitment to building out their front four and trying to get good pass rushers across the board. And I do like what they have up front. And I think that this defense really tailors to that well too. It's just like to your point about where the league is and where it's leaving. I just really have concerns about whether or not living in this four down cover three world all the time. You're really not pressuring or blitzing at all. um, And you're not playing a ton of man. That's just not been something of Gus Bradley that he does very often. And certainly not something that he does that he's done, you know, over the last four or five years as a defensive coordinator. I just have a lot of questions about whether or not you can still live and thrive in that world, um, you know, in 2022. Yeah. It's an interesting choice for Gilmore. Um, okay. The, the last team I'll just mention for dinks and dunks. Um, I did consider the Browns. I think on paper, the roster mm-hmm. has some, you know, it, it's pretty similar to last year actually. Right. But um, right. I think you can make a case for, uh, you know, a, a team that obviously did struggle, had some injuries and just uneven play last year. I think, getting, you know, a, a season out of a healthy season out of Denzel Ward, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. They just rewarded him. Um, and then if you have guys like Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, uh, step up, joke, another J- Jeremiah, Jeremiah Usukoromoa, a linebacker. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Him taking another step. And then um, John Johnson kind of regret reverting a bit to form. Uh, right. But there's, that's a lot of things that have to happen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is just all the pieces are there. It's just a matter of yeah. performing, right? Like having to your to your point, Newsom and Ward, like that's an excellent one-two punch to have at corner. I think, you know, the more you get out of Greedy Williams, the better. I think that, you know, he may be kind of rounding into shape, um, I think, as a DB when he's on the field. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to see whether or not those three can turn in, you know, a high level of performance in terms of coverage, because I do like just about everything else that's on this roster. I love John Johnson when he's playing to the way that I think he can, you know, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett, I think kind of pair up really well, not only as run defenders, but as you know, I think they play well as a one, two punch in terms of getting after the quarterback when Clowney's healthy. Um, So that was kind of it. I know that like some of the bodies that they lost up front last year ended up really changing. I think what they wanted to do defensively. So if they're able to maintain their health, and a guy like Ousu Koromoa can continue to grow as a player. Like I said, all the pieces are there to make it happen. It, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of actually being consistent on a week-by-week basis. All right. Those are our lists. You can dunk on – I think I made some mistakes. I'm already filled with regret. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that Vikings Please. pick works Vikings, out. I'll say yeah. the Vikings is, are going to make me pay for believing in them. That, that is a bold one. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And after, after the break, we're going to ask uh, Deontay some questions. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover your ears, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com Mina for a $3 trial set. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? This is Dinks and Dunks. As always, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. First question. We've talked about the best defenses in the NFL. What do you think is going to be the worst defense in the NFL? Ooh, that's... Uh, <laughs> who's going to be the worst defense in the league? Um, Sorry, I should have sent this one let before. Let me marinate. I want to hear your pick before I give mine. What? You can't flip it on me and make me pick one. Um... Mm. Mm. This is tough. I feel like there's a really clear top 15 or not. I, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely like two halves or whatever. And right. Okay. So I am not very confident about the following teams. Chicago. Throw that one out there. Atlanta. It's Atlanta. Why did why my it's Atlanta? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I was just scrolling I mean, down and I was like, what am I doing? It's yeah. Atlanta. I mean, yeah, the two teams for me are the Falcons and the Bears. Those are probably the two teams I'm least least confident in defensively right now. Yeah. I the Raiders secondary yeah, the versus Falcons, the AFC uh, West, by the way. Wolf. Oof, that could be, that could yeah, be interesting. Yeah, yeah that um, Falcons roster have, is uh, not inspiring at all. No. But I'm just the Raiders do have been up to the pass rush that I don't think they belong in that group. Okay, question number two. This is a Seattle question. Uh, the great mystery. How do you use Jamal Adams? This has been an issue that has plagued the Seahawks since the trade. I think there's been successes and failures. If you were the defensive coordinator for Seattle, how would you use him? Um, as a big nickel, I think, is probably the best yeah. usage of him. Like, I, I think that you do need to get him just closer to the line of scrimmage. That's where he that's when he plays his best is when he's close to the line of scrimmage. And it doesn't always mean that you have to send him on blitzes, right? For as much as I think people kind of turn him out, kind of treat him like he's a meme of a player. I do think that he has more to contribute than just like blitzing off the edge. You know, I, I think that you can still get something out of him as a big nickel type. Um, you know, obviously spinning down and playing single high and getting him close to the line of scrimmage, that works as well. And, you know, one of the things that I will say is that if he is going to be a deep safety, moving to more of a quarters and quarter, quarter, half type of system, which it seems like is on the way with Sean Desai, Clint Hurt, you know, I've written about it. You've discussed it, you know, bringing in all these kind of like Vic Fangio acolytes onto the staff. If that's happening, if those two events, I think, are happening at the same time, I think it's most likely that you get the best potential version that you can out of Jamal Adams on this defense. This actually reminds me of the Tyron Matthew discussion where I'm like, I'd be so 
confident if they had a third safety that I really I, – yeah. Ryan Neal has been actually quietly decent for them and uh, very good at playing the ball. And I think there were, there, there were moments last year where they would play uh, more dime and have all three of those guys out there with Quandra Diggs, who, of course, is you know a very good free safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's definitely something there. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you see Neal on the field a bit more, um, especially given the issues at cornerback. Okay, question three. Who is your favorite NFL Twitter account? Ooh, my favorite NFL Twitter account. It might be Marlon Humphrey just because I think that he is like the most dunkable. He, he, is, <laughs> he, he is so the most chaotic. Ratio- yes. Like, I, I don't know if any NFL player has is, has been ratioed more often than Marlon Humphrey. So it's always a great, it's always great when I see, you know, I get a DM from somebody and it's just his tweet shared because it's all, it's always something entertaining. I love his tweets so much. <laughs> they are, I think he is one of those people who actually likes getting ratioed. Like it yes. kind of fuels him. And he truly has no fear in the takes. Um, I'm trying yes. to think of some of the be- the hits. Macaroni cheese is just cheese noodles is one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> something about asking when you can tell a, your girlfriend she looks fat. Yeah, I was like, just, just, that, that just, maybe could have been a draft, buddy. He's just throwing it out there. Um, let's I think see. he tweeted something oh about God. not liking babies crying, like on planes. That was, or no, 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 no. That that was one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, yeah. no. And um, then his sister dunked on him by saying that he was a crying baby everywhere they went. <laughs> incredible. That was very close to one of my all-time favorite tweets, which is the guy who said, um, like. Some people like say parents are to blame, but what if a kid just has bad vibes? Oh, or yeah, babies so babies got bad vibes. <laughs> oh, incredible. That's such a good pick. All right. Question four. I do this a lot. Um, content recommendation. I guess I hinted at my, I, I'm on, I just finished episode three of The Boys, which is a show I really like. Um, we'll see how this season goes. <laughs> um, definitely. I actually, I don't know if you watch it. The It's like incredibly violent, but the violence is so cartoonish. It doesn't really. I don't know. It doesn't really bother me that much, but um, yeah. What What about you? Um, I have been watching. We own this city. Like I'm kind of late to the party on it. I yeah. didn't start it right when the show premiered, but I've really enjoyed it so far. Obviously, one just the nostalgia of watching like old Wire characters, you know, and then seeing a David Simon show this this many years out into the future, and still I think telling the story of Baltimore and all the kind of interconnectivity between communities, policing, politics, et cetera, et cetera. So. To, to see this in 2020 in a 2022 format, I really, really enjoyed. That's a good one. I've been meaning to start that. All right. Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Lenny is a big fan of your work. He's very familiar with your takes. Uh, he wants to know if slash when Trevon Diggs wins Defensive Player of the Year, will you deactivate your account? <laughs> um, no. As a matter of fact... I might do the petty thing and just retweet the tweet that seems to pop up every like month and a half when people start talking about cornerback rankings. Um, you know, I might put a couple gifts up. Um, mm-hmm. No, but on a serious note, I I think uh, I think I have I'm trying to separate myself from that tape. Um, I think I told you before we got on the show that uh, he is probably not my biggest fan in journalism right now. So has he? Wait, yeah. has he hit back? Oh yeah, well when we're all fair, oh, you, when we're oh, all fair, we can we can definitely discuss that. Oh, you're beef. Okay, all right, yeah. Let's. Sorry, that's a terrible way to end an episode with such a teaser. <laughs> but um, uh, but overall, a very non-terrible episode. Deontay, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, thank you for having me.